Good morning. Now, if this is your first time here, then let me, let me just tell you, I'm excited that you're here and, and you picked a great Sunday to be here because one of the things we're going to be talking about this morning is one of my, my, my favorite passages in Scripture. This is one of those passages that um, the first time I read it, the first time I heard it, just radically transformed my life and, and the way I think about living life. And, you know, my prayer today is that it can do the same for you. And so the last few weeks we've been talking about the book of Nehemiah. And somewhere on that screen will we'll reference that. But um, we've been talking about the fact that God sent Nehemiah on this mission to rebuild a wall. And through a miraculous set of circumstances, God was able to accomplish that task. You know, let me ask you a question. What, what is easier, to start something or to finish it? You know, my, my wife would tell you, but you can't ask her because she's not in here, so um, that I am great at starting projects. You know, getting so excited about, we're gonna, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to do this. And then after a short while, I kind of lose interest. And there are a lot of projects around our house that are in progress because I started them very excited, got all into it, and then after a while, another project caught my eye. Well, I need to do this now. And so that led to more projects that didn't get finished, and so now I'm not allowed to start projects anymore. And so that, that is the rule in our house. But, you know, it's so easy for us to get excited about starting something. Sometimes the hard part is following through and taking that to completion. That's what's all the more incredible about the story of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the wall. Because when you think about what's, what's gone on, this wall was not just, you know, like a, a wall like this. You know, most biblical experts tell us this wall was probably about 40 feet tall and about 8 or 9 feet wide. And it had been rubble. It had been torn apart for 100 years. And the people that lived inside the city this broken down wall had given up hope that anything could ever happen, that the wall could ever be rebuilt. And then all of a sudden, here comes this one guy and says, we're going to rebuild it. You know, you can only imagine what people thought. There's no way. It, it's not going to happen. I mean, look at, look at us and look at the wall. There's no way that we can accomplish this. Because, I mean, when you look at the circumstances, the way that this happened, the only explanation could be that God did it. It was completely a God thing. I mean, just think about the facts. That nine months before he arrived, Nehemiah was living and working in a palace of one of the enemies of the Israelites, 700 miles away. He had no construction background, no experience, and yet... He heard about a problem. He heard about this wall. And it burdened his heart. And he thought, somebody's got to do something. And then he began to pray. And he prayed for four months. And God said, I want you to be that somebody. I want you to do something. And so then he did the unthinkable. He went to his boss, the king, who was the enemy of the people he was trying to help, and said, here's what I want to do. 
I want to go back and rebuild the wall for my family, for my city, for my ancestors. And the king not only said, that's a great idea, we're going to let you do that. He said, what resources do you need? We'll help you. We're going to send materials, we're going to send help, we're going to send workers, we're going to send whatever you need. And then let me just tell you how it ends. Look at what it says in Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. I'm going to start with the end of the story. It says, the wall was completed on the 25th of Elu in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. See, there's some of you that has something in your life right now. Something is going on in your life that you're working on. Or maybe you need to be working on. You know, maybe it's a habit you need to break. And even right now, you're, you're thinking about that habit. And, you know, maybe it's something you've tried and tried to break over and over, and you just kind of keep falling off the wagon, keep coming back to it. You can't overcome it. And you, you just think, you know, if only I had you know, one of those easy buttons, those magic buttons, and I could just press that button and overcome this habit. My life would be so much better. Everything would be different if I could just get over this, if I could just finish it. Or, you know, it could be a goal you're trying to accomplish. For so long, I've been working toward this, and I'm right on the verge of completing it, and I've just got to get over the hump. I've just got to finish. I've just got to take those final steps. Or, you know, it could be, like me, a project you need to complete that are all in progress. And you're just, you've got to actually just buckle down and get her done and finish it. Or for some of you, you know, it might even be a relationship in your life that is broken, that needs restoring. And you might need to be the one to take steps to say, you know what? This doesn't need to continue like this. We need to fix this. Or it might be there's a relationship in your life that, that needs to end, that you need to cut the cord, cut ties with something so that you can move forward in your life. There's, there might be something that's holding you back that you might need to be able to say, today's going to be that breaking point. Or say, for far too long, this has been keeping me chained down. This has been holding me back, and I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to, to take my life to the next level. And this is what it's going to take. Because look at what was happening in this story of, of Nehemiah. You know, this was a, a huge task. And all the while, the enemies of the Israelites, the enemies of the people of God, had been watching and seeing them trying to rebuild this wall. And now when it started out, they just laughed. And they begin to say, there's no way you're going to do this. And they begin to taunt them and make jokes and say, you're just wasting your time. You're crazy if you think you can accomplish this. But then as time went on, they saw, oh, goodness. In one month, you're halfway done. And you're still building. What are we going to do? We can't let this happen. We can't let this wall be rebuilt. And so th then we meet one of the more interesting characters in this story. His name was Sanballat. 
Now, we know he had to be a bad guy because if you grow up with a name like Sam Ballot, you know, you're probably going to get bullied and you're probably going to have, uh, you know, a lot of bone to pick with people. And so, um, so that's what this guy was. This guy was, he was a bad guy. And he had a lot of influence in the area. And so what he decided to do, he said, there's no way we can let them rebuild this wall. So we, we've got to try to stop them. See, whenever you're trying to do something big, you're going to face opposition. Sometimes it may be something that's just trying to distract you. Other times it's going to be outright somebody that's trying to fight against you and come against you and stop you from what you're doing. And, and that's what this was. You know, Sam Ballot, you know, he, he had so much influence, he was able to send spies into the area to try to keep tabs on what's going on. To try to, first they sent people in to try to discourage them. Try to say, you know, there's no way we can finish this. We've been at it for a month. And look, we're only halfway done. We can't go another month like this. There's too much rubble. There's too much debris. It's still too broken. And they thought, if we can just get them to get discouraged and, and lose faith and lose focus, then we've got them. But it didn't work. They were not able to distract them because Nehemiah was such a good leader. He reminded them, remember, God is with us. God's got this. We're doing this for our families, for our city, and for God. Don't forget who's fighting for you. Nehemiah kept encouraging them, kept reminding them that they had something bigger that they were trying to achieve. And so discouraging them didn't work. And so then they actually started threatening them, saying, well, we're going to attack and try to stop you. So at that point, Nehemiah said, okay, we're going to make the adjustments. So what he did was he sent some of the workers. He said, okay, we're going to arm you. You're going to have a, a hammer in one hand and a spear in the other. And wherever there's a, a breach, a hole in the wall, you're going to stand watch. You're going to stand guard. So if they do attack, we'll be ready. But guess what? They never attacked. They were all empty threats. So they decided, you know what? So that, that didn't work. It's not working. So they decided to try a different strategy. And, and here's what they did. He said, if we can just get, Nehemiah's the key to this whole thing. He's the guy holding all this together. If we can get him off track, then everybody else will fall away. If we can get the leader, then the rest is over. So what did they decide to do? Look at what it says in verse 1 of, of Nehemiah chapter 6. It said, when word came to Samballot, there, there's our guy, well, Mr. Samballot, Tobiah and Gershom the Arab and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had not yet set the doors in the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So they send Nehemiah this message. He said, look, let, we want to talk. Let's, let's find a, a neutral place where we can meet together and kind of hash this out. Let's, let's figure out what's going on. And so, you know, Nehemiah knew that they didn't want to talk. They knew that, he knew that this was a threat against him, against his life. And so, you know, he wasn't about to give in. He wasn't about to 
agree to, to go meet with them. And, and here's what he sent back. He sent messengers back to them. And this is, the, this is one of those verses, the first time I saw it, actually, the first time I heard it was from another pastor who talked about this very thing, and it just hit me to my very core. And look at what it says in verse 3. He says, I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave and go down to you? Think about that. He said, look, he said, I'm doing a great work right here. And I can't stop and come down. I can't waste my time. Stop what I'm doing. Stop what God is doing and come deal with you right now. You know, there, there's stuff in all of our lives. There, there are walls that we all need to build and tasks we all need to complete. You know, whatever that thing is, God has put on your heart. You know, it's different for all of us. You know, it might be that project that you need to complete or that relationship that needs mending or needs breaking, whatever it might be. You have to have this mindset of, I can't stop what I'm doing. I can't stop what God is doing in me to come down and be distracted. I've got to keep on. I've got to keep moving forward. I've got to keep fighting the good fight. I can't come down to where the distractions are. That is an incredible life lesson. Look at what he says. He said in verse 4, he says, Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. So they kept asking. You know, look, won't you have your people call our people? Let's set something up. Let, let's, let's schedule another meeting. Look, if this time doesn't work for you, let's do it on this day. And every time he said, no, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. I'm not going to come down. Because, I mean, he understood that the real what was really going on. And here's why this is significant for us. You know, if Nehemiah had come off that wall and met with them, they would have taken his life. There was no doubt about it. That was what they wanted. They wanted to get him out of the city, away from his protection, away from the wall, and they would have put a stop to it. They would have ended his life, and that would have put a stop to what was happening with the wall. And, and he was aware of that. But did you know that in all of our lives, there are things in my life things in your life that if we don't complete them, if we don't deal with them, if we begin to let the distractions bring us down from what we're doing, they have the potential to destroy us as well. That's our reality. You know, there are things relationally that if you don't give attention to, they have the potential to destroy your family or your family's family or your children's family. Things that have to be dealt with. You know, there are things that if you don't give attention to right now and say, I'm committing to completing this, I'm committing to finishing this, you know, they can potentially ruin you financially. And all of us have those things in our life that we know I've got to stay the course. I've got to stay up on the wall and complete the task. I can't let the distractions get me off task. Because that's what... You know, that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get you not to focus on what God has asked you to do and focus on the distractions so that he can destroy you. 
so that he can stop what God wants to do. You know, there are things in all of our lives that if we don't pay attention to them, they have the potential to physically harm us. You know, that is the reality we all live with if we're not careful. And I love this story because it gives us so many real-life examples of how the Bible meets our world today. Because we all can relate to somebody finishing a task and not letting distractions that we're all going to come, that we're all going to get in life, not letting those keep us from finishing the task. Every one of us can relate to that. But look, look what happens when that doesn't work. See, if, if the enemy can't get you off track externally, he changes tactics. He tries a, a new plan. And, and we see it right here. If it doesn't happen from the external, he tries to get you from within. He tries to infiltrate your inner core, your inner circle. It might be a close friend. It might be a family member. But he tries to get in there where he has influence over you. And he'll try to stop you that way. Look, look at what happens in, in verses 17. It says, also in those days, the nobles of Judah were sending many letters to Tobiah. And replies from Tobiah kept coming to them. For many in Judah were under oath to him, since he was son-in-law to Shekinah, son of Ira, and his son Jehoahan had married the daughter of Meshalam, son of Berechiah. Moreover, they kept reporting to me his good deeds and telling him what I said, and Tobiah sent letters to intimidate me. So we, we've got, Sam Ballot says, okay, let's get him out there so we can kill him. And that doesn't work. And so then we got this other guy, Tobiah says, okay, look, I'm politically connected. I'm connected with a lot of people in the city. Why? Because A, we're family. You know, we're related. I'm related to a lot of the leaders in the city. And also, when it says, you know, they were under oath to him, it meant they had owed him money. They owed him something. And so he says, not only am I family with a lot of them, a lot of them are in debt to me. I own them. He says, so I'm, I've got this. He said, let me, let me do some digging, and then I'll, I'll work from the inside and get this thing off track. So that's what happened. Those people were telling Tobiah everything that Nehemiah was saying and doing. But at the same time, they were telling Nehemiah, okay, you need to listen to this guy, Tobiah. He's a good guy. He wants what's best for us. You know, he, he's part of the family. He's got our best interest at heart. And so they were trying to, you know, weasel in and spread the lies and trying to, to give Tobiah the influence over Nehemiah so that he could stop what was going on. And so see, if, if the enemy can't get you externally, a lot of time his next tactic is to try to say, He's going to come from the inside. It might be people you trust. You know, it might be from someone completely unexpected that tries to get you off track. Oh, you're wasting your time with that. You're never going to complete that. Why not give up and try something else? You know, you've got a family to think about or, you know, what are you doing with your life? You know, it's really interesting. When, when you tell people that, you're moving to a city where you don't know anybody and say, yeah, we're going to start a church with no money and no people and no building and no anything. You get a lot of interesting advice. You know, some people tell you, well, here's a good way to do that. 
and other people tell you, are you sure about that? Are you sure you really want to do that? I mean, like you said, you have no money or no people or no building or no place to live. Or, and, they, you know, the list just kind of goes on and on. And these are well-meaning people. And the only response is, look, I can't come down from what God has asked me to do for any reason, for any distraction. That's, that's the only answer. What is the strategy? So how does Nehemiah overcome all these things, the external, the internal? How does he deal with it? Look what it says in, verse, in chapter 7. Verse 1 through 3, he said this. He said, after the walls had been rebuilt and I'd set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. He said, I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah and commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most men do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. And while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. And also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their post and some near their own houses. See, now the workers have become watchmen. They're ready to defend. The people that had built the wall are now ready to secure it and keep it safe. And, and I love the fact that, you know, he said, I want you to strategically place people near their homes and near their families. Because he knows if, you, if you're watching your family, if that's your place of defense, you're not going to give in. You're, you're not going to give up. You're going to make sure your family is secure. Think about this. Gates will be open to allow people in and out to do business, but only for a few hours each day. And then they will be closed to keep out the enemies. They were vigilant, and they were wise. So we have to have a plan. We have to have a strategy. We've done all this work. God has completed this wall. But we know the enemy's not going to stop. So we can't just say the wall is up, and now we can all go back to what we were doing. This is not a magic wall. The enemy's still out there. So we have to be smart about this. We have to place people at the spots where there is potential for people to get in. At the gates. We have to guard the gates. Think about this in your own life. As a follower of Jesus, what's essential for you is to keep a watch over the gate of your life. To set a guard up. So we're only what you allow in, the good stuff. And then when you shut that gate, to keep out the bad stuff. Just picture this. Picture your life as this city. The wall has been rebuilt. with many, you know, interdependent relationships. Unfortunately for most of us, not all of those relationships are going to be the most positive. And so what, the way you have to think about things is, you know, you have to say, okay, the wall is rebuilt in my life, in my mind, in my heart. And then as a follower of God, as a follower of Jesus, I've got to protect my life. I've got to make sure that I'm keeping out the enemy. I'm keeping out the bad and keeping in the good. 
I've got to build my wall. And, and here's what that means. Each decision, each commitment you make for God and to God protects the wall, adds to the gate. But every compromise, you know, every poor choice, every bad decision that we make out of anger or out of fear or out of selfishness or pride opens up the wall, tears it down makes us susceptible to danger. It lets in the bad. And if your gates are not watched and protected, if you're not constantly guarding yourself by focusing on God, by spending time in God's word, then you can let in the bad. Because here's what I know about all of us. Every one of us in this room, whether we're a, a child, teenager, or, or older, we are all being influenced by something, by, by a lot of things, really. Most of us have things coming at us all the time. And if we have no plan for filtering the bad from the good, for making sure that we're keeping out the bad and letting the good in, we're going to get bombarded with so many things we won't know what to think. And if you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm trying to live this life for God, the only way you can do that is by building the wall of your life and saying, I'm going to let God speak into me. I'm going to let God and God's people be the primary influence in my life. I'm going to block the enemy out. I'm not going to come down from my task and let the enemy distract me. Keep me from what I know God wants me to do. That's how Nehemiah, one man, was able to travel 700 miles with no skills, no experience. All he knew was that God had sent him. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the wall. That just 52 days before was in ruins in a city that was destroyed, with a people who were discouraged and afraid and didn't know what to do. One man came in and said, God said we can do this, but we all have to work together. Nehemiah couldn't rebuild the wall himself. But everybody working together was able to get the wall rebuilt in an incredibly insane amount of time. 52 days. These were not skilled laborers. These were not construction workers. These were, you know, mom and pops and kids, everyday people. And they set to work, and they did the impossible because God was with them. And, and I love the, the very first verse we looked at. In verse 16, it said, the enemies now feared them because they saw that God was with them. So those enemies who they had once been afraid of now feared them because all the enemy could see was that God's working with them and there's nothing we can do except give up. You know, we, we live in a world like that. We live in a world where from the outside looking in, people laugh at churches. People laugh at Christians and say, why are you wasting your time there's, there's no God or 
you know, there's no way you can make an impact on a, a, a large city. You're not going to change anybody's thinking or change anybody's way of life. Or, Well, I mean, we're not. God is. And that is our reality. We just have to tell them, you're right. There's no way that we, there's no way that I can change anybody's mind about anything. Because, you know, if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it. So it's not about me trying to convince you of something. It's all about God working through me and working in you to change you from the inside. And one person, one family at a time, and over time, you can transform a city. That's the reality. That same God who took a bunch of quitters and rebuilt a city, rebuilt a wall in 52 days, can take some crazy Christian people who are just crazy enough to think that God can transform a city like New Orleans. And God can do that. But it starts with you first having an understanding of, of who God is. You know, before God can do anything through you, he has to first do something in you. And that starts with you coming to grips with the reality that Jesus is exactly who the Bible says he is. And that the only, the only way God can do something in and through you is by you going through the bridge that is Jesus Christ. See, here at Impact Church, we're all about Jesus. We believe that just like the Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to get to God is through Jesus Christ. No, no other way. And so that's why we tell people the good news about Jesus is that just like the Bible teaches, a man named Jesus lived and willingly gave up his life on a cross for me and for you to pay a price for my sin and for your sin that we could never pay for ourselves. See, the Bible says that Jesus, who knew no sin, he was perfect, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. See, all of us are born into sin. None of us are perfect. Every one of us has done something wrong. And the Bible says the penalty for that sin, for even one sin, is death. But a loving God says it doesn't have to be that way. I'm going to send my son to pay that price that you owe for your sin so you don't have to. So you not only could get to experience God here, a relationship with God while you're here on earth, but when you die, the eternal reward for your relationship with God is heaven. I mean, it's win-win. That's the good news. That's what the Bible calls the gospel, that Jesus lived and died on our behalf to pay for our sin because we can't. And so the Bible says that in order to receive that payment, all we have to do is say yes to Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how bad. No one is so bad that God won't save them. But no one is so good that they don't need God to save them either. 
The Bible says all you have to do is say yes to God and he will give you a fresh start. He will wipe the slate clean with your life and say, I'm making you a whole new person starting now. And so today, you have the opportunity to do that. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I want the power of God in my life. I want to be like that guy, Nehemiah. I want to be able to be, be part of something bigger than me in my life. You know, I'm tired of trying to just think about me, me, me all the time. I'm ready for my life to count for something more. Then here's what I'm going to ask us to do. See, the Bible says that all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. And the way you do that, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe on the inside that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You don't have to come to the front of a, a church or an aerobic room, or you don't have to do jumping jacks or cartwheels or anything like that. You just have to say, God, I trust you, and I want you to save me. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you want to do that today, right now I'm going to ask everyone to bow your head, close your eyes. And if you say, I want to do that, I need that today. I'm ready to make Jesus a part of my life for the first time. 